everybody, and welcome once again to another great edition of Talking Ticks. I'm Scott Gerard. Joining me, as always, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. We've got a nice, quick, but uh, still stellar pod for you folks this week. Um, uh, not too many heavy things going on, but just a, a lot of the little things, uh, which we'll get into. Coaching moves, player moves. We got some scores from uh, basketball this week, and, you know... Uh, whatever else comes down the pike before we get into that I want to check in with you guys um it's been, like i said it's nothing major's happened just a lot of things here and there but still always eventful uh always football off season as you said a few weeks ago tommy's but uh good to be back with you guys how's it going good to be with you um like you said another you know a little bit of a slower week things are slowing down but uh excited to be here talking about it with you and uh yeah, let's get into it. Yep, doing good. Enjoying the second to last football weekend of the season with the conference championships. Just watched the Kansas City Chiefs win yet again. So we're going to see another Super Bowl featuring Patrick Mahomes. But on the LSU front, we had a little bit of the good, the bad and the ugly this week uh, and all of that. So uh, we'll we'll run down the quick hits for you here. Yeah, uh, I would say the good is uh, the PMAC was packed out again. Great showing, great atmosphere. Maybe not the the best result, but uh, I think it was awesome that uh, the Louisiana showed out like that in the PMAC. Looks like they had a new billboard from last year or something. So at least they're making some improvements. Uh, but we'll get to basketball in a second. Uh, I don't know. Like uh, it, it is the off season, but stuff's still going. Uh, LSU's still picking up recruits. We're still picking up coaching hires. Um, we've solidified some actually uh we know who the offensive coordinators or as i should say co-offensive coordinators will be uh that'll be cortez hankton and joe sloan i imagine we can figure out who's gonna you know focus on which aspect of that uh joe sloan you know of course he's been a quarterback guru they say uh since you know before we brought him on imagine he'll focus on that getting garrett nesmeyer up to uh uh, po- you know, postseason speed uh, to start this season off because we're going to be taking on USC in Vegas. And then uh, Cortez Hankton working on keeping LSU wide receiver here. You know, we got two good guys going to the draft. We got a, a couple good ones that could have a breakout season sticking around. And um, I don't know, you guys, maybe you guys know, but we've it's been a while since we've done the co-coordinator thing. I, th- I want to say the last time was on defense didn't work out well for us, but um, let me know what you feel about this hire. I'm willing to go with it. I guess trust in BK trust in Scott Woodward, but uh, what, what do y'all think? Um, I think you're right. Wasn't, wasn't it like Kevin Steele and somebody, a co-defensive coordinator? Yeah. Uh, no, it was, uh, yeah. Um, well, no, cause Steele had it by himself, but he was only here one year. And then after that, it was, split or maybe i'm thinking of split coordinators offensively anyway uh it didn't work out well for us but um i don't know you think this time will be better i i do i mean well i don't know if it'll be better um the bowl game seemed fine as far as like play calling and playing um but i i do think and daniel you pointed this out i saw the same thing they announced they're co-offensive coordinators, but it's like, but the official title is that Joe Sloan is the offensive coordinator. And then 
Hankton is the co-offensive coordinator. Right, a little bit but of a one-a-one. They're 1A, not 1B. both co-offensive coordinators, which is kind of I a see. very weird. I don't know yeah. if that, I don't know if I'm reading too much into that, but like when I saw those, I saw like the graphics that that, that LSU football put out like at the same time. I was like, this is kind of weird, weird way to put it. Um, I don't know, but I like Joe Sloan. I like what he's done. I like Hankton. I like what he's done. I think they're both they're both good guys for the program and, um. You know, not not much more than we can, much more we can do than wait and see. But uh, I, I wouldn't. I mean, not bad picks by any means, in my my estimation. Mm-hmm. The title thing may be something from the agents, where Joe Sloan's agents like he's he wants to do it, but he's not going to sign unless he is uh, offensive coordinator, um, because he wants the title or, or who knows what. Uh, there there were some rumors about Cortez Hankton. Supposedly, he interviewed for a position with the Atlanta Falcons in the did. NFL. But they filled out their staff after that, so that seems to be pretty much done, and he'll be sticking with LSU unless something else materializes. But yeah, um, I guess it's—I mean, people have different views on the promote with from within or go the proven route elsewhere. And uh, Brian Kelly says seems to say that if you do a good job, which they have done, then you'll get a shot. So here we go, and we'll see if the young guns can uh, take on a big challenge next year guiding offense that had so much productivity this past year and hopefully can be even better. Right. And be even better indeed. I mean, they'll be doing it. It's kind of uh, making this an offense of their own because Daniels is gone. Uh, Our top two receivers are gone and it's going to be Nuss thrown to Brian Thomas and Kyron Lacey and all these uh uh, transfers and freshmen, highly touted freshmen that we have coming in. So uh, I trust that it'll be good. I know they brought in uh, a tight end coach as well. So I feel we're, we're going to try and maximize it. I don't know. You, you're uh, lamenting about the Chiefs being in, but I mean, they do a pretty good job of using everybody. You know, sure. like uh, everybody catches a pass on that team just from watching them today. Uh, tight ends, wide receivers running backs, everybody catches a pass. So if LSU can do that, I I don't think there's, a, you know, I don't know if it'll look like 2019. It could look better. Who knows? Um, but we definitely have a quarterback that is not shy with throwing the ball, nor is he shy throwing it way downfield as hard as he can. So I think we got to utilize that. Uh, he's, he's definitely a, a, a young gun, but I think having this bowl game and actually being a come-from-behind bowl game, hopefully – did some good for him just as far as, you know, confidence and uh, just looking forward. So looking forward to that. We also added Austin Thomas. Uh, if you may remember, was with LSU just a few short years ago. Uh, he left probably what, like you said, Tommy, probably around the time O left just as, you know, just bowing out, changing in the guard situation. Uh, he yeah. was at Ole Miss recently and was there more or less – what director of player personnel? It sounded like an NFL title, but if this is what LSU is going to have, like what all the teams are going to have now, where they just have someone to manage their personnel because it is basically the NFL minor leagues uh, as far as how they operate, as far as how you know with the NIL now how they are marketed. So I think that's good, guys. Definitely LSU. Uh, I don't know if he's a legend necessarily, but he's definitely made his mark on LSU even before now. Pedigree, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's coming back. I don't know if that changes things. I mean, we've still done pretty good with recruiting, but he, I mean, you can definitely say he's helped Ole Miss 
a great transfer portal in, and yeah, it'd be nice to get that back. I think that you know, in in it, give credit to Coach O. We don't give we don't give credit to Coach O that often, but um, he did hire Austin Thomas and brought him in towards the end of his, uh, I think, before the second to last year of the O tenure. Um, and the whole point they gave him the title of general manager, which I think is what he also was at Ole Miss. Um, the whole point was with the transfer portal, and we hadn't even gotten NIL yet, but, but, but of course now it's even more true with NIL with the transfer portal. Um, the, the management of roster, um, outside of recruiting, you know, not, not just, Oh, we, we need to go get these guys from high school, but the management of, of, of managing the portal and managing who's on your team, who's on scholarship. Um, really, you know, they, they decided they needed a position for that and that, and Austin Thomas has kind of become that, um, you know, that expert in that, in that, and now with NIL, it's even more important. So I think that was a, yeah, I, mean, I was excited about that hire just because of all the good things that we'd heard about him, um, in the past. And of course you're right. Like with him at Ole Miss, some of the best uh, transfer luck or transfer, you know, acquisitions in, in all of college football. Um, if he could bring just a little bit of that to us, I mean, we'll be, we'll, we'll definitely benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And with these large transfer portal classes that we've been bringing in the past few years, LSU's found itself over the scholarship limit. I think each of the past three years or something, then you have to trim it down by shuffling people to preferred walk on or, giving them kind of the, the bad news that like, Hey man, like we'll, we'll help you find, find a, a position at another school. And so I'm not sure if Austin Thomas's role would touch that, but uh, I would imagine that it would. And yeah, you constantly have to juggle this balancing act between keeping your stars happy uh, while getting the guys on the bench, a little bit of playing time or else they're liable to leave. So uh, a delicate act and uh, wishing the, the best of luck. Also, I don't know if y'all saw that former LSU defensive coordinator, um, Matt House is now employed by the Jacksonville Jaguars as their line, linebackers coach. So he's back in the NFL and I guess good luck. Um, maybe a little <laughs> bit of a downgrade from LSU DC, but at least he doesn't have to do any recruiting there. True. Not, not a lick. I didn't even have to do any draft work. Uh, I mean, sure you guys input, but they got a general manager for that. And by the way, just, I was going to mention it later, but since we're talking about all these, front office personnel stuff. Um, did you see the the Falcons ended up hiring Raheem Morris, who used to coach at the Bucks. Uh, he was an assistant with the Rams, and they went with him and over Bill Belichick, who interviewed twice. And the story kind of goes that he was a better fit for the whole organization because if Belichick came in, he wanted to hire anyone he wanted. Like he probably, I don't know if he was would have got along with the guy K that the Falcons uh, were not going to let go. But Arthur Blank is family man. Uh, I respect him a lot as a businessman and how he run has run his organization. But it's like to him, having his front office personnel is more important than whoever the coach they wanted was going to bring in. Yeah. So it's interesting because you know now we're seeing this with Brian Kelly. It's kind of why I mentioned it all comes full circle because. He got rid of who was here. He wanted to start over with who he wanted, but now he's still bringing those same people. And that's the same people from before, which is kind of weird when you think I didn't even, you know, it's like, I hadn't even thought about it that way, but yeah, like 
It's like, man, you could have really just skipped a step and saved them and, and actually saved, saved your budget some money too because you're having to pay them all more than they were on right. uh, salary you know, two years ago for. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyway, I mean, I'm glad Brian Kelly's bringing them back. He's brought a lot of Louisiana people back. Uh, hopefully there's more. Uh, and hopefully there's some that he doesn't have to bring back because, because they come to LSU in the first place. Uh, yep. Especially, you know, recruits and speaking of which LSU uh, did get one this week uh, we got well something you know obviously a position of need uh, LSU always needs defensive backs and you know now that we have Corey Rainer we definitely want to get another defensive back uh, Daniel do you have the uh, the info on on that one yeah so we picked up a commitment from 2025 class uh, cornerback Jabori Antoine. I'm not entirely sure I'm pronouncing his first name correctly, but he's yeah from uh, Westgate High School in New Iberia. Uh, coincidentally, the same high school that Keishon Butte went to, which we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but uh, Antoine we'll is the you, num- number three <laughs> player in Louisiana for the 2025 class and the number 19 cornerback overall in the country. So uh, LSU continues to be playing strong in the 2025 class, got the number two class in the country right now. And that's only because Notre Dame has like 17 commits already. And I think we only have nine. Uh, so just by pure mass, they're above us. But in terms of quality, um, LSU number one by far and shores up that position of need where we had multiple injuries and transfers recently. So uh, looking bright and Brian Kelly hopefully continues to lock down the big in-state guys, um, especially at these skill positions, which is what Louisiana is known for producing. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And you, uh, you did mention Cajun Butte. So I guess we have to talk about the, that whole story, the elephant in the room. Um, I don't know. I, I, I I'm kind of surprised, kind of not. I mean, you know, the, the story was that he was uh, busted for doing a lot of online gambling, which was illegal for him. So uh, that's that's what he's getting arrested for. I don't know if it's, the, it's that shocking. I mean, kid wanted to play. the amount's the, pretty shocking. That's what I was going to say, <laughs> is the amount. I mean, he, he did bet on LSU, which, you know, if you're going to bet. Himself. Just, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it was it more shocking that this is what he was busted by, or like the amount of times? Because it did seem astronomical, <laughs> like within the the amount of time that he was supposedly did it. Yeah, it was like what eight 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 thousand nine hundred something bets valued at five hundred thousand dollars, and he's underage. Well, he, uh-huh. he only deposited 130000 and he won 550000 So it turns out he's actually a pretty good gambler. Well, no, but the thing uh, is, is that, but then he, remember, then he cashed out with 50. Yeah. Oh, I guess you're right. Uh, so, so he maybe, lost, maybe he, he, he lost, lost it all at the end. $100,000. But yeah, you're talking about the volume. So 8,900 bets in 13 months. So he is pace, placing one bet every hour for an entire year <laughs> uh, on average. So it's, yeah, 22 and a half bets a day, which is pretty insane. But yeah, you mentioned he was betting on himself. Um, he was betting on the over against Florida State, over 82 and a half yards and a touchdown, neither of which hit. He should have just bet the under and then intentionally dropped the ball, which he was doing anyway. Uh, and could have well, yeah, that. wouldn't have even been intentional then. He could have been honest to be like, look, I wasn't intentionally dropping it. I just can't catch. Right. Yeah, exactly. Kind of oh, sad. It's bad. I, you know, like, you know, and... and I guess I guess this could have you know this could have happened with with or without NIL, but I was talking to somebody 
um, last night about it, and somebody worked for LSU actually, and they were like, "Oh yeah, like that's all. Like that that doesn't happen without the NIL money he's got." Like, right? Because where else does he get one hundred thirty thousand dollars to deposit into his account? Exactly. As a as an you know as a dumb nineteen nineteen twenty year old, like it's not. I mean, you can't. Everybody, like a lot of people are betting, whatever. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's not very smart to try and bet underage on like, because at first I thought, oh, was he betting on like an offshore thing or like, you know, kind of like a, a little like unknown book? But no, he must have been on like, you know, Caesars or MGM or something because they reported it to the to the gambling authority in the state. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and it, he didn't even make it that hard for them to find out because his usernames were Keishon Butte one and Keishon Butte seven. <laughs> there can't be that many Keishon Butte's out there. <laughs> Maybe some very dedicated oh, fans. Gosh. It's just, it's just stupid. Like it's just man. I mean, the, the, the downfall of Keishon, this is like the final nail in the coffin for him. Um, I mean, I guess he might, maybe he'll be doing some time. That'd be very, very sad. But, uh, He's uh, the you know you think back to that that with that game against Ole Miss when he was a freshman, the uh, the and the like great plays and he kind of took over the game and then now he's like a uh, you know, um, well now he's a gambler. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of like the the weird third act to the three players that we talked a lot about on this podcast and all of them kind of went awry between Eric Gilbert, Eli Ricks and Keishon Butte. I mean, yeah. at least Eli, Eli Ricks made it to the league at the end, so he can't fault him for that, but between Gilbert and Gilbert with his stealing the vape pins at, and then now Keishon with his gambling stuff, it's, it's strange and kind of uh sad era of about 2 to 3 years of LSU football. Right, but hopefully it's behind us. You know, we'll see. Uh, no, no weird off-field season things this this year yet. Knock, knock on wood. Um, but I felt like uh, that was a, a pretty good week for LSU football. Otherwise, now LSU basketball. On the other hand, uh, it was almost atrocious. Uh, I mean, the men lost two uh, women did lose, although it, at least, I don't know, if there was a good loss, at least, it, you know, they showed out. They, they didn't get blown out like they did against South Carolina last year on the road. Uh, yeah. The Tigers actually had um, that game in hand for, like, well, most, most of the game, almost wire to wire. South Carolina got the first bucket, but they didn't lead again until, like, the last few minutes. Uh, LSU was in, con- in total control in that game in the first half. Uh, second half, Still kind of, it was closer, uh, still a lot of back and forth, but then down in the end, uh, South Carolina just made more plays. LSU kind of got a little sloppy. I mean, Angel Reese did foul out, and a lot of people want to say it was bad, you know, weird, quite, no, questionable calls. I don't think so. Looking at them, they were dumb fouls. I mean, yeah. she, she wouldn't have, <laughs> it wasn't on the refs one why she fouled out, because those were dumb fouls. Now, it hurt LSU, but then after a while, they just, uh, you know, they just, they couldn't stop South Carolina from pulling ahead slightly. So, oh, that was my take on the game because I was able to watch it. But still, great showing at the PMAC. That was awesome. Um, they they definitely delivered for that. And, you know, the team almost did too on the home court. Um, 
Did, I don't know. Do you guys were you able to watch any of it? Yeah, I, I watched almost all the, of the game. Um, it, it was exciting. You're right. LSU competed hard, and I wish they could have won it against number one South Carolina. They were tied seventy to seventy with about a minute and a half to go, and then South Carolina just kind of stole it at the very end because after Angel Reese fouled out, we didn't have much playmaking ability on offense, especially with Michaela Williams, who was probably our best scorer, true freshman. She was one for 10 from three, just kept lobbing them up and and clanking. So uh, that's a a tough spot. And then we committed a lot of turnovers also. So kind of sloppy ball. Um, One other thing was that LSU only had 20 total minutes off the bench. So our starters were gassed by the end in South Carolina. They had a much deeper bench. They were doing like a nine woman rotation. Uh, So we just kind of lost momentum towards the end, but Uh, Yeah, good, good showing. And I mean, reminiscent of last year where we lost to South Carolina and then ended up winning the national championship. So if there's any bright spot, I would say that's it. A good learning experience. And hopefully we can improve down the stretch to make another deep run in March. But yeah, um, LSU basketball fans turning up tickets going for hundreds, multiple hundreds of dollars, supposedly. And that's uh, a bright spot for the university. And Kim Mulkey's really got them going. So uh, let's try and build off it, even though it wasn't uh, a win, and win the rest of the way in, in SEC play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't get to uh, watch a ton of it. I saw, I saw, I was at an event and they had it on this on the TV, so I was like looking at it, checking on the score. Um, disappointed they couldn't close it out, but like like Daniel said, I mean, like we watched this last year where they struggled against South Carolina, and you know, and uh, but got it done when it needed to be done. So. Um, you know, not too yeah. bad. No, I mean, and there's, it's likely we'll face them one, possibly two more times this year. You know, there's the SEC tournament. Then there's also the uh, national tournament. So uh, it's it's likely we could face them again. Uh, I mean, I feel confident because, like I said, man, LSU had them. They were up by 15 at one point, I think, in the first half. Uh, of course, never was that far in the second half because um, South Carolina is good. They're still undefeated. And yeah. They do have a deep bench. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes, but I do feel fine about the, the Tigers' chances. Now, the men, on the other hand, I don't know. It feels like we've regressed. Uh, True. Yet. I mean, um, yeah, we had a nice close loss to UGA on the road. It was actually tied until like the last minute or so, literally, kind of like the women's game. Uh, but then, I don't know, kind of the same thing. Down the stretch, LSU just – Seem like they're all trying to force it inside. We didn't really have much perimeter play. I just, I don't know, um, just didn't finish strong. I, that's, that's the only way I could put it. I was able to see most of the second half, but it wasn't, it was okay. You know, we, at least we played hard, but then against Alabama, we just got killed. Like it was, yeah. it was, it was a, a blowout for, for most of the game. So I don't even know what to say about that. Uh, so now that's what three losses in a row. I mean, we're just, we started great in SEC play. Now I think we just kind of dropped off. I mean, we are facing the meteor part of the schedule, but still um, just not competing. No, not competing at all. Not putting a good product out there. And just makes me want to say, let's get on to baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you, you said regress. I, I don't know if we've regressed, but at least we've plateaued. I think we kind of hit our skill ceiling against the kind of, four SEC teams that we faced at the very end. And then we said we hoped that we could compete at a higher level. And 
I'm not sure if that's the case. We lost by just a couple to Georgia. I really wish we could have won that one. We had a three-pointer go in and out at the buzzer to win it, and we should have won. We were up by one with like three seconds left, and Georgia missed a shot to win it, and then the guy grabbed the rebound, bullied Will Baker in the post, and put back up the the rebound to go ahead by one. So uh, that that was a big swing there and and would have tasted good to get that W. But yeah, against Alabama, we were close at the beginning, and then they just started pouring it in from three, and that's been the story of Alabama basketball the past few years where they're just much more athletic and dynamic than we are. And while we were playing like, I don't know, C-level basketball of Alabama was at A-, and we just couldn't keep up with their uh, pace and consistency, especially on offense. NATO's had them running the floor and just scoring on basically every single possession, and that's not something that LSU can do with the athletes that we have and that will wait. Uh, I say will wait. Matt McMahon is recruited, mm-hmm. uh, so he'll he'll need to get some better McMahon for next year, and uh, maybe they can sneak a couple in wins on the schedule late, but uh, it's hard to see a whole lot of improvement now. Yeah, it feels like also it just feels like Nate Oates has kind of had LSU's number since uh-huh. he got to Alabama. Like we've never Pretty had lunch. No. Him and uh Musselman in Arkansas are like our two oh. enemies at the at the moment. Yeah, true. Yeah, and they're just they're they're so I don't know, just seeing them like pumped up and especially against you know certain you know certain LSU games where he's just, oh, God, these guys are so punchable. Uh, not that I'm advocating for violence, but they just, you know, just like, woo, like, just shut up. Come on. Anyway, Nate has um, yeah, got a technical in that game. He was screaming and the refs punished him for it, but it didn't end up mattering. I know. Didn't one of them take their shirt off after a win? Muscle, muscle it takes a shirt muscle off it? frequently. Oh, it's it's a frequent thing now. That's yeah. Texas's <laughs> trademark. Anyway. I guess he wants um, to show off his muscles. <laughs> right. That's a good one. Um. Well, speaking not well, it's a different muscle. I'd say it's a, a financial muscle. Do you guys hear that um, they're going to be doing a documentary? Well, I mean, it's about NIL things like that, but uh, it's basically a you know a big background story on NIL at LSU, the money game. Do you guys hear about that? Yeah, I, mean, I saw we, that we, supposed to supposed to be on on Amazon Prime and produced by yeah. Shaquille O'Neal's group. Um, oh, cool! But yeah, the Money Game exclusive all access pass the twenty three to twenty four athletic season inside LSU, following NCAA policy on NIL. But yeah, I mean LSU has really played into that NIL issue over the past yep. two years both in football, basketball, gymnastics with Livy Dunn, baseball, like the powerhouse stuff and, and all of that. So they've always been good at the branding. So it makes sense for them to choose LSU and hopefully it paints us in a good light and they don't uncover any dirt that we've been uh, trying to sweep under the rug. Um, but I guess they say, back, I don't think they're going to like, he wouldn't let that happen. That's true. Nah. And any press is good press. So uh, if they, if they say that LSU's got a gazillion bucks in the bank, maybe that'll make even more people want to go to LSU. So can't complain there. Yeah. Exactly. What, what are the odds uh, on Gordon McKernan making an appearance in this film? Hi. I would say hi. <laughs> uh, possibly, yeah. Uh, but I mean, there. Somebody else. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, I, I think uh, Womack in New Orleans has a, has a great opportunity here to step in i mean he's a personal injury lawyer too why not um yeah. but the some of the athletes there we know we're gonna see it's uh Livy dunn Jaden daniels angel reese 
Flau J. Johnson uh, on the bas- women's basketball team. So, uh, yeah, it will be interesting. No, I don't think they'll trash LSU. Yeah, I mean, that last thing you want is some bad story to get out. Lord knows yeah. there's plenty of that out there that we don't need. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I did have one other thing I was going to ask about, which I don't know if it's related to all this. We kind of touched on it earlier about transfers and, and Austin Thomas. But for whatever reason, Lane Kiffin has just been trolling LSU all week on social media. Normally, I don't yeah. think, you know, social media stuff is a, you know, a story in and of itself. But, I mean, he's, he's the head coach at one of our quote-unquote rivals schools. So what up with Lane? Like what's what what's what's he got going on with like he's he's just been posting stuff on I think he was on the campus too I think he was recruiting somebody over at University Lab but uh-huh. he's just been posting about that one LSU game against Ole Miss this year uh, this year the whole week about it I many could know. say well it's because we were getting Austin Thomas from him but I don't know I didn't what, what's I guess I don't understand what's the flex Lane just loves to troll. Um, I saw it too. He posted the picture of the trophy, the egg or the, the Magnolia, Magnolia bowl trophy. And it's like, well, you, you won one, like <laughs> look at the, all the other, look at all the other wins. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. It was, yeah, it was kind of weird, but I feel like that's just lame. I'm not that concerned about it. I think right. he just gets a, gets a kick out of it. And he's more online than most, than most coach college football coach is kind of like the, the anti saving almost. Uh, and, and he knows that the, the kids these days, they like to do a little bit of trolling as well yeah. and um, like to call each other out a little bit of trash talk. And so besides him getting a personal fun out of it, he, I'm sure he thinks that it can maybe bring some recruits or just good recognition to Ole Miss is like, we're the, the bad boys, the sec, and we can back it up the trash talk that we, that we throw around. Uh, so He'll keep stirring the pot as long as it keeps bringing the headlines to Ole Miss. So uh, he's he's sure. got something going on there. Well, sure. then, that's a good point too. Is like people like Ole Miss. This is this is this. If the Ole Miss is going to have a year, it's going to be this coming year. Like they've built this roster for this coming year. So um, of course, losing Judkins doesn't help, but I, I, they've got pretty much talent and experience across the board. Um, with everyone else they have on their team. So maybe he's just, you know, excited and trying to hype up what he thinks is going to be a, um, you know, a, a historic season for the Rebels. Possibly. Now, it, I, I do uh, agree with the idea that it was probably about a recruit that's in play still, maybe, and he's just showing, hey, we, we beat them this year, so that's why you need to come here. I don't know if it's related to, to Busty, that guy, I've seen him on social media a lot lately. I, I don't know if that's the case, but it did seem like an inordinate amount of trolling from one particular coach to one particular school. So I figured there had to be something there. I mean, he, he he's done it before, too. I think he did it with Ohio State in the same week, but LSU is just over the top. So I thought it was funny. But, yeah, I mean, that that is lame. He's, he's a troll or troll. I don't want to call him complete troll, but – I mean, that's what he does. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting. So like some of the audio that got out with him. So we were talking about that with, uh, I don't know if he was on the phone with Jimmy Sexton, but it's just about him taking the Bama job, you know, when he was like, no, I, I just, I, I'm happy here. We don't, we don't want to leave Oxford. So anyway, I don't know. I think 
that was it. We uh, we covered everything that we had talked about. So unless you guys had something else. Nope. Quick run. That's okay. Well, as it stands now, oh wow, the, uh, the Lions actually just went up two touchdowns. It's interesting, right? These, like, who'd have thought that both of the home teams in these playoff games would have, I mean, not just lost, but like they're, you know, the, the away teams are kind of controlling the game. Yeah. I mean, I, I would believe it a little bit more with the, um, the Chiefs. Although at the beginning of the season, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have believed Lions 49ers <laughs> in any playoff game. Right. And here the Lions about to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, well, like I said, it's almost halftime. But here's the thing. I mean, San Francisco could come back. Do you think they will? Mm. Um, kind of feels like Lions are team of destiny. I'd say give it to them. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, I thought the Ravens were going to win the Super Bowl, uh, so I'm already I'm already out. Uh, the Chiefs are going to take care of whoever wins, and then it'll be Mahomes and Taylor Swift oh, hoisting the trophy. Whatever. <laughs> I, I think there's a good fraction of uh, uh, or faction, I should say, of uh, fandoms that's just tired of the Taylor Swift cutaways. Um, mm. I don't think they'd be hating the Chiefs as much if if every Kelsey play didn't also include a Taylor Swift cutaway, but that's True. probably it. Although I don't know if, uh, if, if Kelsey's brother, Travis Kelsey's brother is there at the Super Bowl and he takes his shirt off and chugs a beer every time he scores or makes a catch. I think that's a better cutaway anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, that guy, that guy's hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see who the chiefs face here in the next hour or so, but, um, We'll probably talk about it next week right here on Talking Tigs, uh, as well as anything else that happens this week. So tune in again. Uh, until then, folks, stay safe, stay tuned, and we will talk to you next time right here on Talking Tigs. Talking Tigs.